Ladies and gentlemen, steps to Nomagai at Metro. <laughs> nice brisk walk to Union Station. Leisurely jog to Capitol Capitol Hill. And third and L Northeast. We do have Swamp Poodle Park that just opened up. Yeah, that thing is all the rage. Yes, I'm, it is. I'm not sure who loves that new park more, the dogs or the people. But. Give the people what they want. And we wanted parks. And the first of three just opened. And we're happy because it's been a construction site for, what, the last 18 months? It's been, yeah. And then they had to, like, relay the turf. And, like, I mean. Yeah, look, a whole bunch of stuff. That's a whole, that's that's another story. Yeah, like, but we're <laughs> about to get hyper-local on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are from D.C., or the D.C. metro area, we want you to put your listening caps on. If you are interested about the D.C. metro area, put your listening caps on. Or if you're just a fan of the podcast, Union In, all that good stuff, you just want to know what's going on within a 10-block radius, put your listening cap on. Because we have, sitting in the inn, who came in for this recording, specifically, ran into him in the grocery stores like, man, you got to get on the podcast. He's like, no doubt, let me know when. Boom. So... Was this Wednesday, December fifth? We're here, Mr. Alex Hondros. How's it going? Great, happy to be here. Glad you're here too. You hear that? You hear that voice, <laughs> ladies? <laughs> oh man, he's got a radio voice, man, for real. That's what I've been told telling multiple you, times. So, we are going to start where I know is going to take him up to twenty thousand on the volume meter. Um, I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago. Couple weeks ago, still watching the YouTube clips, man. <laughs> still can't like every morning I wake up and I'm just pumped. Like, so uh, about what, four or five blocks away from here, mm-hmm. there's a high school. It is called Gonzaga, and it is a uh, all boys private high school. Mm-hmm. One of the 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 illustrious ones in the area, which you got St. Albans, you got uh, yeah, it's, pro- it's probably a Saint step Johnson. below the St. Albans, oh. the Episcopals, a step above the rest of the catholic schools so you so you can <laughs> the see premier, the premier catholic school in the dc area you know we're not you know you're up there with sidwell and sasha sidwell, sasha obama sidwell's quaker you know and they've had of course the obama daughters and uh chelsea clinton and chelsea but i think uh bob dole's son i think went to gonzaga so oh wow so you can tell which high school Pat that Buchanan. he went to <laughs> um but two weeks ago there was a game that was so epic it was covered by Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter. The greatest football game ever played. So they played another all-boys private school in the area that goes by the name of DeMatha. Mm-hmm. Now, both these schools are, are quite uh, known, not just in the D.C. area, but also in a professional sports leagues, specifically basketball and football, as both schools have a number of notable alumni that have ultimately progressed to professional sports leagues. DeMatha maybe a little bit more so. A lot more so. See, see, he, 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 he's they fair and balanced. He's they fair and balanced. They definitely have a better athletic program than us. Okay. But that didn't matter two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Well, hold on. I think we should back up to the week before that. Okay. When we played number two, three in the country, St. John's College High School. Okay. In uh, – at St. John's after just getting Molly whopped by them at Gonzaga the week before week one of the playoffs. This is football, by the way, St. John's college high school, also known as under armor university. Uh, Kevin plank went there. And now is this a school that's off of military road? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. The cadets and, uh, and Gonzaga after I think losing by like 30 
the week before came out and probably played the best football game above and beyond divine intervention that they could have ever played and you know St. John's in a little bit of a controversial call fumbled the ball on the five yard line about to go up by three with just seconds to go and Gonzaga ran it back for a touchdown and uh, sealed the deal that's what set the stage for the DeMatha game okay now at the time Gonzaga was ranked what nothing and DeMatha was ranked I think they were 20 20 in the country 22 in the country okay all right. So continue. Gonzaga, you know, playing playing to math then. At, at Gonzaga. No, at Catholic University. Oh, okay. Because this is the this is the national. The BCIC's championship. What does that mean? Uh, Washington Catholic Athletic Conference. Okay, so this is this is basically for bragging rights amongst all Catholic schools. Yeah. Okay. And from what I recall, in the the first half, Dematha just laid it down on Gonzaga, like. After watching Gonzaga play that game against St. John's and and seeing the level at which they performed compared to the, the prior week against St. John's, they just didn't they didn't show up. They did not show up in the first half. They were down, I don't know, 25, 20, something like that at the end of the first half. Okay. Gonzaga comes out, um, battles to the third quarter, cuts it down a little, a little bit back and forth. Um, Gonzaga had shown some signs of life at the end of the half. Quarterback, quarterback, sophomore threw a threw a pick just before halftime that uh, put a dagger in whatever momentum there was. Um, I think that would have cut it to ten at the time. So Gonzaga was, I think, down twenty-two with seven minutes to go. Wow! Uh, drives on the field, scores a touchdown, cuts it to fifteen. Okay. Kicks off, gets a stop. Gonzaga then. Drives on the field, scores a touchdown, misses the extra point, cuts it to nine. Nine, I think. Yeah. Six. Six Something off like 15, that. Yeah. I'm a little hazy on this now. It was many times as I've watched the videos, I've stopped watching the score line on it. Because <laughs> you were in delirium watching, um, watching it. Yeah. Gonzaga then gets another stop, drives down, scores, misses another extra point. Ooh. So you're down by four. Yeah. Yes. No, my scores were right. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. Six. Oh. So now okay. there's about... Okay. I think that was that took us to like three minutes or something. Gonzaga then kicks off DeMatha, stops DeMatha, three and out. Gonzaga um, drives on the field, scores, goes up by three with 39 seconds to go, 34 seconds to go, something like that. Crowd's going crazy. Gonzaga guys got no shirts on, and, and Gonzaga clearly this game's over, right? All we gotta do is kick this ball off. And I'm sitting there screaming at my YouTube, like, just kick the ball out of bounds. Don't let these guys, don't let these guys touch the ball. Like, just leave it to your defense. Let them throw a couple hail marys or whatever. Like, maybe they kick a field goal. We send it to overtime. Whatever you do, just don't kick it to them. Squib kick. What do you think happens? Touchdown. Runs it back for a touchdown. Okay. 19 seconds to go. DeMatha now. DeMatha. It's a tie game uh, now. Let me back up a little bit because the WCAC threw an excessive celebration flag on Gonzaga when they scored their touchdown. DeMatha and every single alumni in the history of DeMatha was on the field after they ran that kickoff back and there wasn't a flag to be seen. So wow. that was a little, you yeah, know, I that thought that was that wasn't fair a little and balanced. unfair. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, t- we're tied now. 
No, DeMath is up three. Oh. Or up four, something like that. Okay, my apologies. Yeah, so DeMath is up three or four with 19 seconds to go. Okay. They kick it off. Forget the young man's name. He runs it back to the 40. Okay. Zaga runs like a little out route, gets it to the 45 or so, their own 45. Okay. So he's got 60 yards to go. 60 yards to go. Gonzaga's got one chance. And there's an epic video of, of this. Of, of I'm going to put it in the show notes. This, of this kid, of the Gonzaga players just saying Hail Mary. And Caleb Williams drops back to pass and just heaves one 55 yards. What's his name? Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams, yeah. yeah that, first off, For, just to the, be able to throw it 60 yeah, yards, yeah. that's... I, I, he might be the most famous athletic Gonzaga I don't know. It's it's him or Chris Jenkins. I mean, both just coming through under under pressure. Okay, uh, Chris Jenkins, like that. the player who's been involved with the most famous play in the history, uh, in the history yeah. of Gonzaga. Okay, yeah. I mean, Chris Jenkins' play was at Villanova, but um, okay, and it was basketball. Basketball, yeah. Okay, um, so Caleb Williams drops back and just heaves one fifty five, sixty yards. Probably, probably sixty five because it was in the middle. It was yeah. in the middle, deep in the end zone. Yeah. And uh, I think the guy that plays like center field for the baseball team just leaps over just like 15 feet in the air, just fully extended, and just pulls this ball down and Gonzaga walks it off. So you saw three touchdowns in under 40 seconds That's back crazy. and forth. That's crazy. And that, but that was, I mean, Gonzaga was down 22 in the fourth quarter, I believe, or something like that. So That's crazy. So and this was like on a Friday night or something. I think it was Saturday, Sunday. It was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night. Okay. Yeah. We uh, the Redskins were playing at the same time, but <laughs> nobody wants to see that. So. <laughs> see, and I was going to keep Redskins Cowboys off this whole podcast. So um, we'll talk about this later in the podcast. But uh, Alex and I used to work together at Cushman and Wakefield uh, for a number of years in the early 2010s, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't have really any Cowboys fans in the office, and we were happy with that. <laughs> and then Alex came and oh, I've, I've chilled out on the Cowboys fan fandom. Yeah. Yeah, over the years. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you just get older. It's just like yeah. whatever, you know. They're not putting any money in my pocket. <laughs> um, but Probably not, especially I, Redskins fans. I want to give Gonzaga and Dematha props because you all threw the best parties during high school. That I can say is probably true. I know that I've seen backyard band at Gonzaga in Gonzaga's gym, uh-huh. and that night was oh, the you're night. Talking about the Onyx parties, I guess that's. I don't know yeah, what you call yeah. them. All I know is that yo, backs playing at Gonzaga. Yeah. yeah. So we would go, and um, that one one night that I went, it's the night that Tupac Shakur died. How crazy is that? And I remember, and I remember when he died because up until that point, you know, he'd been shot before, and and been involved in shootouts before, mm-hmm. and. We all thought, okay, he, he's it's just another Tupac shooting. Um, and he'd been in the hospital for like six days. We're like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to pull through. So when he died, I remember, mind you, this is like way in the depths of the East Coast, West Coast beef. And at this time, I really wasn't a Tupac fan. I was definitely a Notorious B.I.G. fan. And I remember people were dancing like all the way into it. And they just, they said, yo, Tupac died. And it just sucked the air out the room. It really wasn't about partying no more. You believed it? What, that he, when he died? Yeah. Yeah. We were getting it from multiple sources. Multiple people had said it. And it was, there was no internet. I guess it's really before the, the like fake that. Twitter days and everything. Correct. Like my first thing would have been like, no way, right? Yeah. 
No, no, no. But he, you know? he really passed. And it was it was just, you could tell I mean, by. still people saying no way. <laughs> but yeah, so salute to the um, Catholic and Quaker high school, private high schools throughout uh, the Washington, D.C. metro area. Keep throwing your parties. <laughs> so you're from Silver Spring. I am. Okay. And um, right around the corner, really, from like where I grew up, although you would have probably gone to Springbrook, like Alabama. Uh, Springbrook or Blake. Boo. I went to middle school across the street from Springbrook. Oh, really? Yeah, White Oak. Oh, okay, so yeah, you're right there. Okay. Wow. Good old Wams. So, I'm just preparing the listeners at home. Um, we may diverge off on some real estate talk, so if that happens, you put your thinking caps on because you might learn something, for real. Yeah, or, or you've now saved $2 on NyQuil for the night. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that, that uh, Sears over in White Oak is about to close down. No, it's not on the list. They're going back. They're, it's they're... not on the list. It's not on the closure list. I've been staring at that property for the last five years. <laughs> like, yo, when are you going to put this on the list? But wait, hold because, on. Because like, but they're, I, they're going would, under. I think buying that, that Sears does really well though. Why? I don't know. I went in there the other day to buy like, uh, I don't know why I was over there. Because it's what, like. Cologne? Because I had like a hundred dollars Sears. You know why Sears is going out bank, bankrupt. I bought. $2,000 of appliances at Sears and they gave me like $1,000 to spend at Sears. Wow. And then on that $1,000 that. I was buying things for $100 and was get another 100 cash back. So I think I like got 2,000 free dollars from Sears for buying appliances. Um, but so that's, that's like why through Sears mail order or internet. It's not like yeah. you go to the actual store. But I did pick up there for something I needed. Uh, I think it was a, I forget what it was. Well, I know that um, I learned to drive there because I took driving school yeah, in the yeah, basement yeah. there. And that auto um, the basement, repair, the thing? basement of the Sears, the basement of the Sears. Oh, not in the bowling alley. No, bowling basement alley of the Sears. Was my place. Yeah, the duck pens for real. Yeah, we are we are getting hyper local here. Yeah, no, I, White this Oak is stand not, up. This is not a like off the beaten path to do in DC. No, I, I can throw a couple of those out there. But. No, we're we're just two local guys talking local yeah. shit. So that's just what's happening. So. I'm wondering if they make all their money or make a substantial portion of their money off of the auto repair thing where you can buy all your tires. They from. must, yeah. Because I think it's huge. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, they, so Sears owns, I believe, that portion of the, the shopping center. Okay. And so, I mean, you're talking, I mean, you could put, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to listen to your podcast. I don't want to give any could, trade secrets. You, you but could put like 1,500 Hanover apartments coming in here. Because right across the street, is that big the towers that you can see yes. literally from DC. And so you could probably put 1500 units on that site. I mean, I don't know you would really want to build concrete construction nowadays, but yeah, you could in theory. So I think it was this podcast where, school, where I was talking about it or I was talking to somebody about this recently. I always wondered if they would extend the yellow line up that way. Hmm. So instead of stopping at Fort Totten you jut north. I just think just run a, a streetcar ish thing on a protected lane up 16th, up 29, all the way out of Burnsville. Yeah. Or, I mean, they would just say do a, a BRT. Yeah. Bus rapid transit. I know, but people just don't like people. But they already have that. They already have like what this Z8 or something yeah, that does that? It goes on the shoulder? Right. But people, I mean, you see the streetcar out here. Yeah. It's I mean, free, by the way. Well, that. that I, I don't that get how that works. It. I don't get how that works. <laughs> Like honestly, because <laughs> they realize nobody's gonna ride it otherwise. It's it's, it's just it's like it's, you're running alongside it at the same speed. That's not true. It actually is very convenient if you're trying to run errands and 
and it's at a stop that you need, that your errand is at a stop that you, the bus is stopping at, right? Or like, or someone isn't stopping at say the big board to try to get there to go. Yeah, and just clogging up the whole streetcar lane. Yeah, that's true. You do have that. That's less and less frequent though, as of now. My year three of it being of me living on A Street. Year okay. five of it being open. So, have you gone past Starburst intersection on the streetcar? Well, I mean, like, have well, you gone to, to RFK using the streetcar? Using the streetcar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I've gone to Langston using the streetcar. Oh, okay. Oh, you're a golfer. Yeah. Okay. What do you know? You know they're gonna open up that uh, south side of the Arboretum at some point because that's the main entrance. And when that happens, man, when I was doing the house next door. I would run with my cousin on morning Tuesday Thursday mornings. So I got a better idea. Scratch all that. Uh oh. What? Just tear it all down? No, no. And build uh, Langston. Langston for for those of you who don't know is one of the um, first African American golf courses in the United States, I believe. I think there was another okay. one in D.C. that's now closed, but um, yeah. it was one of the first, and it's a very historical golf course. This is in Northeast, between uh, Benning Road and M Street, Northeast. It sits on some very beautiful land along the Anacostia River. It has a couple really nice holes. I think like hole five is actually could be really nice. When I say really nice, the course is horribly maintained. Yeah, um, but it's a great location. But I think that they should expand the floor, the footprint of that golf course into parts of the Ar- Arboretum. Along the river. Along the river and make it a world-class facility. China's already beat you to it because they're doing that part. They're doing that uh, pagoda thing or something. But There's something that they're partnering with, with China for. And it's got a golf course? No, no, not a golf course. But I'm saying the land that you would want to use for that uh, is in the path of development. Eh, we'll find something. So, take it over to RFK. Oh, go south. Maybe yeah. put like a little, a little golf cart yeah. bridge or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe. But the Arboretum right now is actually one of the hidden jewels in Washington, D.C. And uh, guess if you are listening to this, I would definitely suggest if you were here for, say, four more days, um, and you don't mind either renting a car, taking a, a um, what do you call it, Uber. Lyft or Uber. Yeah, um, definitely going to do that just because uh, they, they have a number of things that are really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have pillars, I believe, mm-hmm. from the original the capital. capital. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Roman columns that you see at the capital, they made extras. <laughs> And rather than just throwing them away or selling them off to the highest bidder, they decide to keep them. Apparently, there's like another set of them buried in the woods somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, But there's so many different types of areas inside the Arboretum. It's kind of like uh, the size of, I want to say, Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Is that about right? I have no idea if it's that big. But Uh, but it's pretty big. Kingman Park right there. There's some. Yeah. It's it's, it's really nice. And there's there's multiple exits, but um, the main exit has been closed since the 80s I want to say because of the violence that was happening right around um, what do you call it Eric Carver Langston mm-hmm. yeah Carver was a tough tough project for a long time yeah and so uh, if you go there and you jog up Maryland Avenue from the Starburst intersection going eastward or northeastward um, you'll go up a hill and when you hit the top of that hill you can see the capital yeah it's probably not a jog I mean I've taken that jog before I've gone like 20th 22nd in Benning yeah I haven't gone quite as far as you're talking but yeah I mean so, you, you know I've because no, when I was doing the house next door I would meet with my cousin every Tuesday Thursday and we would run um just different neighborhoods this is when you were doing your marathon training uh 2015 yeah yeah I bet yeah um she was interested in real estate development and I was like okay 
so you want to be a real estate developer <laughs> let's let's do it and so we would just jog in different neighborhoods all around the city and have put, put together a little spreadsheet of yeah, stuff yeah. and make sure, make sure she did research on everything. And it's always good to run east, west, in D.C. Yes, because north, south is... Whenever I go run down to the water, I'm like, why on earth did I do this? Yeah. So, to make a long story short, I was basically like, hey, this is the neighborhood that you want to invest in t- around 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you could see people. There were there were people that were, that were buying these things for a sub three, going up a story, and then... You were talking about Carver Langston. Oh, okay. So you're, so talking about, you're talking about like Trinidad. No, no. I'm saying you know where the Safeway is at Starburst. Yeah. Okay. Go northeast from there. Yeah, I think that's still part. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's on the it's on the east, east side, side of Blaze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Because west sell, side people of, now sell homes there and they still call it Trinidad. But like, I mean, 2013, like Trinidad was pretty rough i remember yeah but but dc mud r.i.p like <laughs> hey hey hold up can we have a moment frozen, of silence for tropics. dc mud for real okay so frozen tropics is the last of the mohicans because all the other ones are gone oh are they still in existence so i'm saying so the blogs that there were a bunch of neighborhood blogs in the early well, 2010s Popville. that's no no popville is is like don't get me wrong. I appreciate Popville because they'll have they're like TMZ for real estate. <laughs> they're like TMZ for news in the city in twenty and but less accurate. Yeah, but I'm saying if you're a real estate person, you, you you'll only half look at Prince of Petworth. But the reason you look at it is because sometimes you have the scoop on when something is about to come in, maybe two three months before it's actually announced. Yeah, or a project you're working on is just being hated on by the for never getting off the ground. Correct. That happened. So. Prince of Petworth was around, um, but each neighborhood had their own little neighborhood blog. Uh, I think Congress Heights on the Rise is still is still around. Uh, Border Stand is gone. Uh, Vox Populi is gone. Border Stand, I think he like moved, right? Moved yeah, to something Arlington like that. Or something. Yeah, and then there was a JD Land is still around too, and JD Land actually is yeah. really good. J- yeah, that's JD like is south, actually, that's southeast. Focus, yeah, that's right? like Navy Navy Yard. Yeah, I know. I used her maps in a few appraisal reports. <laughs> uh, no, I remember when because I, I did the Blue Castle like three times. Oh, you did that? Oh yeah, I did I that had, thing I three had times. To do that once. I was like, man, Whole Foods, Whole Foods needs to go here. This would be perfect. The Blue Castle. Hell yeah. This is before they tore down all that stuff and made all those townhomes over there. I was like, look, this is going to be the spot right here. If you could do. But the problem was um, they're making. That it's like 5,000 square feet. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 like it's less. It's a little less than 10. But I was saying you can make three stories out of it. Uh, but the parking was the issue. And um, they were making too much money off those charter schools, which are still in there. Yeah, no, too. you make. A, I've done. I've done a charter school development. There, yeah. the economics make sense, and you do help also as a doing community development type exactly. development, which is what what exactly. I do. It, you get to help uh, help children. And the thing is, it's the per student thing, and you don't even have to justify the per students that you have, the, the number of students that you have. It's just something that you report. And if they come and say, "Oh, we'll audit you," then fine. But they don't audit you. So yeah, yeah, we have two thousand students. Okay. Here you go. I don't know about that, but the, the play that a lot of them do now is they they get a facility allotment every year, but they're allowed to save that allotment. It's not like a typical, right? You work for NIH, you don't spend your allotment in a year. Correct. You lose your your fund. Those funds. Well, I'm thinking about it as a real estate developer. So, yeah, but I'm saying so charter schools, they'll save up their facility allowance for like five, ten years, and then they'll go move into a real, they'll use that to put a down payment in to buy it. Oh, really okay, nice okay, okay. I'm, 
so when I was doing charter school stuff, which was one of the few property types mm-hmm. that was actually showing activity in the late OOs, what do you call them, aughts, mm-hmm. there were charter schools that couldn't get financing for buildings, so they had to lease buildings or... That's still the case, yeah. Okay, so what, what would end up happening would be they would move into buildings like Blue Castle and an investor would own yeah. them and everything. And so the way the leases were structured was they would pledge the facility allotment, whatever it was, to yeah. them. Yep. And that's exactly how it's just, I think it's still still the way it's done. I mean, that's how ours is. So what cap rates are they seeing right now? I don't know. We we actually sold ours. Our, our Ours was a new market tax credit transaction. Then we actually sold the school to the charter school. So oh, okay. um, I think that was something that, I think that's going to be more and more common nowadays rather than the own. We, we had always planned to sell it to the school at the end of year seven. We just sold it up front to the school. And now we're oh, that's great. just taking a fee for developing it. So you didn't have to justify cap rate. It's just, hey, it's like, hey, you want to stay here, right? Yeah, I think it was like a six and a half, seven cap rate when we got it appraised. Wow. These things were appraising at nines when I was doing them. Yeah, that would have been the time to get in. I'm telling you. And you'd have ten years, and there were some there were some charter schools that actually got into trouble off of this because mm-hmm. they had a real estate arm and a, and a, the actual oh, charter yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a couple of those, and they, they were they also will they'll have a corporate entity, and that will guarantee a lease, and then they'll sign an above market rent and try to sell it to make extra money. I'm telling you, yeah, that, no, it's a dirty game, y'all. Nonprofits, it's a dirty game. <laughs> nonprofits just another way of moving the money around for a lot of these guys. I'm telling you. All right, so to put a bow on where we even started on this real estate rant, yeah, at, in White Oak, which is um, the intersection. So White Oak is a town, I guess you would call it, a neighborhood. Sure. In a, it's a neighborhood of Silver Spring. Yeah. And it's at the intersection of Route 29, Colesville Road, and uh, Route 650, uh, New Hampshire Avenue. And there's a, what do you call it, Cloverleaf intersection. It's like a really big intersection of two main streets that take you northbound into areas of eastern Montgomery County. And uh, at this intersection, there's a big shopping center called White Oak Shopping Center. And I mean, this is like an ocean of concrete parking. But they have, it's, I guess, I guess it would be called a power center. It's just a neighborhood shopping center. Or, I would no, it's regional. I, I it's regional. All right. Because you okay. it used to be one day. I mean. I don't think there are any junior anchors there. But you, you have a giant food there. Yeah. You have a Sears. bowling alley that's in the basement. You have a ton of inline guys. And mind you, these inline guys are restaurants that service the neighborhood that have been there for years. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean just mom and pops. I mean, there's a what? There's a subway. There's Hunan a, Manor. That used to be Manor. my jam. Yeah, I used and, to work uh, at the Starbucks right there. Was, Jamaican not, ice cream place? Is that, isn't there yeah, an Jamaican ice, ice cream place is yeah, still there. Yeah. Um, there's a liquor store. Goes. Yeah. And then there's a laundromat that's on the backside. Yeah. Uh, and there's and a then, little Caesars. And then they have shadow anchors too, like the Popeyes across the street. Seven <laughs> Eleven. And there's a dentist where I got my braces done at the the corner right by the behind the gas station. The first time anyone has ever discussed White Oak real estate. Ever hey, in the you history know what? Of the world. It won't be the last. There's a Sears that's there, and this Sears has been around forever. And I was like, look, even when I was at Columbia, because there's a um there's a company that specifically was targeting these department stores mm-hmm. that they knew were going to be going out of business. Mm-hmm. So they would do kind of a sale lease back thing mm-hmm. when they owned the land. And then, because they knew the yeah, upside yeah. was going to be down the line, and then just have a low rent to get you there, right? Uh, and I was like, "Hey, this yeah, say, no. this this Sears is going to pop. Like, this is the Sears you want right here." Yeah, and no, that's a good piece of land. That whole shopping center is a good piece of land. It's, I don't know, let's say five Way acres. Way underdeveloped, more than the five acres. But the Safeway part. 
I'm sorry, yeah, the, the, the Sears part. Sears yeah, part. Yeah. Sears part. So okay. So someone's gonna jump on that. Sears filed for bankruptcy earlier this year, I believe, or at least had intentions. Chapter eleven protection, right? I don't know the difference between seven, eleven, and thirteen. I think I think the idea is that they restructure the company, right? So they, but it's not. Yeah. So, so you're saying that there still may be a Sears there come 2030? Yes. Highly unlikely. But yeah. I think that's one of their better performing stores. Like when I went in the other day, there was lines out the door. Not out the door, but out the door for Sears. Like people were there though. There, yeah. <laughs> because I was literally like, there's not going to be anyone in this store. And there were people in the store. I've I've spent. So if, if you were to take all the retail stores in my life. Because it's a good location for them. Yeah, because it's right at six fifty and, and twenty nine. Well, yeah, and it's it serves a low low to moderate income neighborhood. They sell low to moderate income clothes, and they you really think their clothes are any different than the ones that are getting from that are in Macy's, and but they're a quarter of the price. They're probably the exact same clothing. And yes, there's no TJ Maxx. I wonder if there's a um, tenant restriction. What do you call those things? Where you can't have another type of tenant? Co tenancy clause. Yeah, or not a co tenancy clause. Not, just, yeah. I mean, it's just a. I mean, it's like a restriction. Yeah. Covenant, I wonder if they have covenant. one of those. Yeah. Restrictive covenant. Like with TJ Maxx yeah, and Marshall fall into that. Grocery stores a lot of times. A lot of times. So I've spent a lot of time in that Sears and uh, I'm just waiting for it to get redeveloped. And for you to tell me that even with the bankruptcy of Sears, it's still going to be there. It's like, wow, this is just a white oak institution right here. Um, but they should extend the yellow line up that way. And that'd be amazing. Because there's FDA headquarters right there. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, but yeah. So, Cushman. Cushman and Wakefield. Cushman and Wakefield is a global commercial real estate services firm. When people ask me, so Fred, what, what about Cushman? What, 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 so what is Cushman and Wakefield? I say, we do everything except own the real estate. Yes. Uh, uh, I think I was the second second or third largest at the time it was the largest privately held yeah real estate firm i believe Correct. Public now, right? i don't know well, it would dtz now so yeah or dtz sorry but yeah so i started working at cushman around 2005 then we had the downturn and downturn messed everything up especially if you were a broker now for um appraisers we uh we wrote it out a bit better than the other service lines, but that doesn't mean it was any cakewalk. Probably hit. I mean, I was that was before my time, but I imagine it hit pretty hard at first, and then got a lot better because you had all this. The different. We can get into that. But. So, in, in I want to say, in, so in 2007 we were doing reports. Sorry, 2000, <laughs> 2006 we were doing reports, and every single one it was just like whatever you would come yeah. to, it didn't make sense because yeah. people were paying more than that, and it was like. Okay, so you're going to say that for this downtown office building where this is sitting on $100 million that you know better than him because he's mm-hmm. about to put his money where his mouth is. And you're just a guy who's two years out of school saying, no, 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 the cap rate doesn't work out. It's like, uh, you know, you got a point there. So but <laughs> shit, shit still wasn't making, still wasn't making any yeah, sense. You know? I mean, that's look, I mean, that's. More respect for the family office guys than that that do that, but the, the fun guys that just putting money out the door. Hell yeah, they li- they literally you're just trying to. Get, I look, we've all been there. You they have that. to place it. You want to get money. You want to get deals done. You want to get money out the door. You hate losing deals, but like, no, but they have a window. You don't want to chase it yet. You got two, three years typically. That's yeah. it. 
And if you're six months, if you have six months to the fun, to the fun, to yeah, the fun, you better have close, 90, like ninety five percent out the door. You better way. have it done, otherwise it's not happening. So, market fell out, and in two thousand eight, it was like people were trying to buy stuff, and it was finally where it was like, no, this this doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. and then deals weren't happening. Then everything froze up. Bear Stearns was actually the real, in February of two thousand seven was was probably when it first started clicking and then Bear Stearns went under, then Lehman went under in mm-hmm. 2009. And that's when it was crazy because no one knew what the hell was going on. Like literally you, it was, it, if, if they were like, yes, ATMs are closed for in depth, like for right now, I wouldn't have been surprised to see a headline like that, which is crazy, which was absolutely crazy. Yeah, no, it seems, I think for a lot of people in the industry, it's, at least in my my generation, like we're young enough to at least been in school during it. Yeah. Generation the the group that's behind me, the twenty three year olds, twenty four year olds, they they don't even have a clue. Yeah, you know. So in two thousand nine and every single valuation that we did was basically a recap or special the, servicing. Yeah. That was where the most of the work was was Well, so it would start with the spe- it would start with the recap. Yeah. Then you'd come back and be like, Hey, this is what it is and they're like, Oh shit. And there were some people that were well capitalized. They would be like extend and pretend. There'd be some people that are just like, yeah, yeah, you're done. Well, I mean, I think it also depends how your debt structured, right? A lot of if you have CMBS loan, it's non recourse. Yeah. You're if you're if you're underwater a lot, there's no point in throwing more money after bad, right? Like, why are you gonna you're gonna have an equity call to pay down the existing loan? It's probably matured. So what I can speak to at that time. I wasn't doing the big stuff at that point, unless I had done one of the big ones in 2005 or 2006, because mm-hmm. they'll keep the same appraiser on that. Sure. But sure. if I was doing something that was new, I really wasn't doing the big stuff mm-hmm. that w- would have gotten CMBS out. A lot of the stuff I was doing was with uh, portfolio lenders and uh, relationship, yeah, you know, yeah. banks and stuff Community like banks. that. Exactly. And so it was a matter of, you know, stuff that might have been maybe less than five million. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, man. I fell in love with industrial buildings when I before the downturn. You should have uh, you should have made your move, man. You'd be a billionaire right now. <laughs> Do you understand like, like that, that loud industrial cap rates were like twenty in like 20, 2010, two thousand eleven. And I mean class A stuff. Yeah. When I was doing the, uh, they're like that's what was it? Um, Everyone, everyone thinks multifamily is the hot asset class right now. Like industrial is the real one. No, industrial is where you make your money, and it's quiet too. But I think I think that's because, at least for me perceptionally, how many times you drive through middle of nowhere, you see an empty warehouse or an empty factory. You're like, how am I going to? And you this? drive that same road 15 years later, and that thing is still sitting there empty. Correct. And so, I mean, but there's a difference between logistics markets and non-core markets. Yeah. If, if look, so. if you got Class A stuff that's well located within a certain time, has certain turning radiuses, yeah. and they have a loading door, what do you call it, ratio that makes sense, and ceiling heights, like you're you're good. It's just when you deal with some of these buildings that you know are 22 feet. Yeah. And it's 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 twenty thousand square feet built specifically for the specific user who, yeah, who left yeah. out. I, I tore I toured at an industrial property the other day at twelve foot ceiling height. <laughs> was this downtown or something? No, was it was in Hi- it was in Hyattsville. Oh, okay. Well still you can repurpose Shout out that. Hyattsville. <laughs> Unfortunately you have DeMatha, but love Hyattsville. Yeah, Hyattsville's the not Edmonston bad. portion of it maybe not so much but Oh Edmonston. Yeah I did a number of buildings over there. Um a number of Verizon buildings over there. 
Uh, there was one that had the kind of barrel roof. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, those twelve foot guys, man. I'm telling you, you holler at your holler at your brewers. Well, so I'm, we're buying a property right now. It's a uh, former strip center thing. Real, it's going to be a really cool project. I'm actually very excited about it. Um, don't want to share all my secrets until it's done, but all good. It does have a brewer there? Hopefully, lining up another brewer. There's they expand. A, there's a meadery in Hyattsville. There's a brandy stop that just opened up. Meadery. Franklin's has been there forever. Forever. So, like, for those of you visiting DC or DC locals, there's more to Hyattsville than Busboys and Poets. So, Busboys and Poets is like the get last an Uber. Act. Get an Uber, ride out to Hyattsville, see what's going on. That'd be my recommendation. Yeah, especially Vigilante Coffee's the, um, a nice little spot. Oh yeah, Vigilante. Yeah, shout to Chris. Uh, man, I I knew Chris when he worked at Sova. And was roasting beans out of a basement in Trinidad. <laughs> Not joking. Uh, but yeah, Chris is cool. So what were we talking about? Um, Cushman. So 2009, it was tough. But we made it through. And in 2010, it's finally like, okay, we're starting to see a little bit of sales come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, our managing director at the time, Nicole. Shout to Nicole. Love you, Nicole. You're the greatest. I said that with a fist in the air. <laughs> with a fist in the uh, air. Nicole, you're the greatest. I will never say a disparaging word against you ever. Ever. You are literally the greatest. And I'm not saying this with any sarcasm at all. I mean it. I love you, Nicole. So, Nicole was like, hey, we are about to like take on some capacity and we need to hire somebody. Like, for real. This was after she got promoted to... Head, Correct. Head Americas or whatever. Yeah, I think that she she was head of Americas prior to 2010, but I could be wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was probably around 2010 because that's when Todd came on, mm-hmm. and that's when okay. So, or I'm sorry, Todd came back. Um, we are we are just saying names, and you all have no idea who we're talking about. But you know what? I don't care. Yeah, Nicole was like, "Yeah, we need to bring somebody on." And you know, at that time, if you were coming out of school, like, and the thing is. Especially if you're coming out of undergrad, you're probably competing with people who either lost their job or people that were coming out of grad school at the time, too. Yeah, I mean, I had a buddy who was a broker, did pretty well. I mean, he's killing it now. But he went and worked for a special service or he's like, you know, making half what he was making before. I'm telling you. And he said, like, they had people. He was like, I don't know. He said something, he said something like, um, I think he was at, I want to say he was at CW Capital and he, he um, he said they uh, they were getting like two thousand applications a day. This is people that were VPs, probably making like stupid money, like two fifty a year, trying to get like fifty thousand dollar a year jobs at, at special servicers. Um, I when mean, it's real in the field. It's real in the field, yeah. man. So, so as a setup of that's how awesome Alex was because he coming straight out of school. He said, look trying to get in the game and we had i don't want to say a thousand but i wouldn't have been surprised if it was a thousand people that were applying for this position and he got it and he hit the ground running like for real for real um uh, as an appraiser and everything give, you you give, work give credit to my former uh university of delaware professor that referred me for the position so. oh, that's what's up that's what's up but hey sometimes you need that assistance you know that alley-oop that dime so um who are you working under when you started Todd. Okay, yeah. So you were working it was with just Todd me and Todd when we started. Okay, um, and he was doing Northern Virginia office. Yes. 
and which was recapitalizations of pretty much of Roslyn and Clarendon properties, right. and then just a ton of, t- of, of special servicing work. Oh. No, I didn't do it. We actually didn't have a lot of work, special servicing work uh, from Reston out to Loudoun. Yeah, because all that went to Seton, because he was the dealership guy. Yeah, <laughs> but Reston Reston spent a lot of time driving out. Driving out to Loudoun County and yeah, Reston. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I digress. Take your shot. I say, but I digress pretty much every podcast at okay. some point. So it's a drinking game. So when I say, but I digress, you don't have to take it then, but you got to take a shot. Nevertheless, uh, a few years later, I moved on, went back to school, decided to be an innkeeper. And he soldiered on a little bit longer and said, you know what? I'm about to be on the buyer side of all this stuff. So then he started working for a mobile home park developer. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, people, young kids, I, I hear from a lot of people that analysts that they're hiring now can't underwrite anything. Really? And some of these people can build financial models, but they like, they don't know how a building actually operates. And I, I think, being an appraiser gives you that background. And oh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that being an appraiser is the best track record to success because you do get a little bit of the, like, you're just an appraiser. But at the same time, like, from a knowledge standpoint, I do think it puts you on a leg up against a lot of people. So, you get to see the whole story. Yeah. Someone who – and you get to look at a lot of different properties. I mean, Correct. I mean, I've done marinas, hotels. Sorry, I haven't actually done marinas, though. But I've done everything <laughs> but marinas at some point in my life. And uh, cemeteries. Cemeteries, yeah. I mean, you know, you go come out of college and you go work for JBG or Hanover, you're going to go work under someone and all you're going to do is... One specific type. One specific type of a specific type of... You're going to do active adult, ground up, multifamily, right? In this location. Yeah, yeah. And and I think uh, getting to see... And you get to see exposure to how a lot of different people look at deals, which is is really interesting, I think. If, 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 If you like looking at deals and understanding deals. I mean, yeah. And, the, and, at, and interacting with the actual people that are in the deal. Cause a lot of times these people will meet you on the inspection. Yeah. And I, and I think for, for people starting up, like I, uh, you know, I have pretty good Excel skills. I didn't want that in appraisal, but, um, you know, no one's winning a deal because they built the prettiest model in the world. So, uh, you're winning a deal because you can find value where other people don't find value. So Yes, indeed. So give me an interesting story from being a Momo Home Park developer. I don't think I really have any. Um, we weren't a developer of Momo Home Park. So just to be clear, Dodd-Frank has made it very difficult to finance acquisition, uh, the sale of mobile home community, mobile homes themselves. So we just bought existing mobile home communities, improved them, Raised rents, refinanced them, sold them. Oh, wait. Oh, so you're saying that if you own a mobile home park, that you can only own the land? Yeah. No, that's not true. You can rent them, but, but, and people have turned to renting them because of Dodd Frank making it so hard to finance them, the homes themselves. But the, the idea behind owning a mobile home park is I can take 600 units and all I'm responsible for is cutting the grass and keeping the sewer lines in place. And, and collecting rent versus an apartment building, you have to do all that repairs and maintenance. And so when people tell me, oh, I want to rent homes and I'm going to turn this land lease community into a 
rental community. Oh, that okay. means you. Why would you want five hundred water heaters and five hundred roofs and five hundred sinks and ten thousand and a thousand toilets? Like, doesn't make any sense. You don't because their pricing is that their yield. The is it amortizing. Doesn't, it doesn't because they haven't had to manage it yet. That's uh, why. Yeah, and the people that you're and, managing and, it. And, and 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 you know the private equity firms who are taking that model. I think they're not the ones that are actually operating it. And so, I think. Um, company i worked for was extremely good operators and and high quality operators i do think that they they cared about their residents and they weren't in it to just jack up rent day one and i think that's a mindset that you don't see typically in the industry from other private equity firms so yeah so he took those lessons and then transferred that over to where he is currently at minkiti group yep we're a community developer in uh, Washington D.C. and Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, I didn't know um, you were in Massachusetts. Yeah, okay, big in big in Worcester. Actually, that's where most of our activity is. Wait, got, is that where y'all started? No, started oh, here. Okay, did some affordable housing, doing a forty-five thousand square foot office building down in Anacostia right now. Shout out to Anacostia, uh, Southeast. We yeah. see you. Eleven Street Bridge. Can't wait for it to happen. <laughs> There's more going on in Anacostia, I think, now than there has before. I think uh, getting. Getting beyond uh, affordable housing projects, I think we'll be develop- developing, other than DHCD, one of the first um, commercial projects in the area, which I think is really exciting. You said 45,000? 45,000 square feet. Wow. Acre lease. How many, how many stories is that? It's a four-story building. Three so building, four the, who, who's taking the ground floor? Or have you signed that already? Uh, still looking for tenants, if anyone's interested. Oh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you breaking that up to? Uh, what am I what? What are you breaking that into? Uh, it'll be about four or five retail bays, okay. various sizes. Oh, Trader Joe's. Freakonomics Podcast did a, a great... Jo- if you can get me a Trader Joe's in there, that would be awesome. But. Freakonomics Podcast did an amazing podcast on Trader Joe's and what the sec- the secrets of how they run that. And it's really good. One of the interesting things... How they run their site selection? Well, not just site selection, but just the whole business itself. And why... So it was funny is they're like, the, the sales per square foot that Trader Joe's sees eclipses everything mm-hmm. even whole foods so to me i'm thinking about denominator like yeah you guys only have ten thousand square feet so if if i have to you know i'm using a fourth of what you know your your or your fifth of what every prototype is using you guys can have the same amount of sales so but there's so much other stuff um and one of the things they were saying was you know just from a site selection standpoint they get on the edge of high income neighborhoods so they get they, they locate in a cheap part of high income neighborhoods what in certain instances, yeah, I think that's true. Well, in a lot of instances. So think about it here, right? Yeah, here, 14th Street, though, in the bottom of one of the most expensive apartment buildings in D.C. Uh, yeah, but but look at it in the context of uh, DuPont. Okay. I so mean, it's, it's, I it, get that, but 14th Street's more expensive than DuPont is nowadays. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got in early, too, because that's a JBG project, right? Yes. And they signed on probably early, too. They were one of the first people possible yeah and they're an anchor tenant taking ten thousand yeah, but they're also in Heinz school who said what they're in Heinz school in southeast and capital height and capital hill sorry oh okay that redevelopment yeah okay so that's nah i mean Heinz school's been took 30 years to get that thing developed so yeah, they might have signed I, on there I'm t- they might have signed there before i was born but but i think it's one of those things where they're thirsty you know because i'm surprised that trader joe's i thought the whole foods was definitely going to go there like back in the day when I was doing 801 Pennsylvania, I I thought for sure Whole Foods is going to go there. 
but it was too small, small a footprint. But then again, yeah, and there's not enough density in that neighborhood. I think to support a real Whole Foods, uh, uh, the size that they're building them now. I guess maybe, but they stayed located right over there in uh, Navy Yard. Yeah, but that's a very oh. dense neighborhood. And then I also thought they would do like a Balducci's or a um, Dean and DeLuca mm-hmm. there because that's that income level right there. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, what was I talking about with Trader Joe's? Yeah. So they located on the edge of neighborhood. So, but I forgot that they're located in the high school redevelopment. So it's probably too close. Well, you never know. It's probably. It's probably the same distance between here and that Trader Joe's is from Anacostia, like where your project is. And yeah, no, Anacostia is actually just, I mean, it's a stone throw from Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's it's literally a stone throw. And I think a lot of people don't see that. And I think I think the potential in Anacostia is to be something really special. And I think people just need to go there. I think it's people need to go there. People need to frequent it. But there needs to be a reason to get people there. And I think a lot lot of the. A lot of the retail that's there now is 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 not attracting people, and I think, yeah, bus. Everyone's excited about the bus boys. I guess, What's the timeline on that? Tell me. We're uh, talking about bus boys and poets. Uh, shout out to Andy Shalal. It's a a, a a local. It's a local. Uh, what do you call it? I guess restaurant. Yeah. It has a full bar, but one of the cool things about it is that they have right, you know, the front where you wait to sit. They have a little mini library right there. Mm-hmm. And I believe most, if not all of them, have a back, uh, I guess, open room. Yeah. Uh, not a PDR, but a private dining room, but a actual event space area. Yeah. There you go. Where uh, on Tuesday nights in Washington, D.C. on U Street, or at least the one at the corner of 14th and W, um, it's quite a notable open mic night that happens. And I believe all of them had that. Did the one over? I know the one. The one in Mount Vernon used to. I don't know if it's. Still yeah, because they relocated across the street. Yeah. Um, but um, what's but the timeline yeah, on 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 Bus Boys? I think I think they were supposed to open a while ago. I think they're. Yeah, they uh, were definitely supposed to open a while ago. I don't know. I mean, look, stuff happens. Getting through DCRA is a headache. Um, so it, will we see it in 2019? I would expect so. The building's pretty close to done. Okay. Um. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of stuff coming. I think you walk down MLK and you can like, the thing that's always attracted me to Anacostia is that you walk up or down MLK and it just feels different. It feels like there's something special there. It feels like there's like a sense of soul and place in that part of the city that you don't get in a lot of the city. Like there's very few other neighborhoods, in my opinion, that have that same feel. Like 14th Street does not have that feel to me anymore. Yeah. Um, like Brooklyn. You, I, yeah, I don't think Brooklyn has that feel to me. Like it used to. I mean, think, I think probably still does. I think Mount Pleasant does. Uh, I think Kennedy Street did until you started to have all these hack developers get up there. I think you have. Um, Shout to Brightwood. Um, I, I I think parts of Adams Morgan still have that, even though it's a little bit more higher end than and drunk. And drunk, yeah. I used to when I lived in Adams Morgan. I used to tell people they used to say how you love it. I said I love it Monday through Friday. <laughs> There's parts of Friday Eighth Street, Street still has it, right? Yeah, parts of Eighth Street have it, and I, but I think that's something that's not just these glass towers everywhere, right? And I think yeah. that's what's attractive. And then you get into V and W and all these other streets in Anacostia, and you've got really pretty historical oh, yeah. homes. Yeah. Um, I used to actually hate on those because you know in DC most of the stuff is masonry, yeah. brick, 
yeah. row homes. And you go over in Acosti and everything's got a crawl space and everything. But but it's older. Yeah, correct. And if, if, if you walk around enough, then you realize, oh, this is that style. Yeah, and I mean, like, honestly, how many freaking Wardman townhomes do we really need? But I do think, I think, I think that Anacostia has that, has some, it feels like there should be something special there. And I just hope it doesn't get ruined. Well, the density is keeping it, uh, the zoning density that's allowed right now by right is keeping it in check. Well, it's MU seven, but it's historical. So. I, I see. I don't even know what happened with this twenty sixteen zoning yeah. stuff. Um, I don't <laughs> All know my zoning stuff is pre zoning pre twenty sixteen zoning rules. You know, I think I think there's a lot of developers there that are trying to bring cool projects to to fruition, and I think some of them who have built projects taking shortcuts and i think that you don't have to go very far to find people in the neighborhood who are opposed to that but i think that's good i don't think i don't think just i think anacostia is very unique in that we don't we we shouldn't let it just get ruined i think you know the g word gets thrown around a lot and i was actually having a conversation about gentrification with someone otherwise and i was like you know it's good and it's bad right i mean there's good things that come with it reduced crime theory and but I mean, I'm I'm saying like, hey, let's look at things from a market standpoint, right? Don't be wrong. I I I understand where there are situations of gentrification where people are specifically coming in, like new people are coming in mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I just moved here and now I don't like it that you all are uh, sitting on the front stoop and mm-hmm. talking. Yeah, I think because you think all that's, look unsafe. That's not I think cool that's, gentrification so like, at all. Uh, uh, <laughs> If my girlfriend ever listens to this, she's gonna laugh at this. My biggest peeve is when you see someone flip a house and they put one of those big ass steel doors on the on the in the on backyard. Back, yeah. And this big fence around it that's like fifteen feet high. Yeah. And it's like, how are you gonna know your neighbors that way, right? And Never. like, yeah, I mean, sure, you don't want a dude sling like we have a couple properties in Anacostia where you got people doing drugs up on that's different. Yeah. Right, but there's nothing wrong with someone sitting on their front porch and like and chilling and chilling or having friends on their front porch and like as long as you're not exactly. In know, fact, doing things told, you get to know them. You probably want to chill with them too. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's I think that's the stressor point is that a lot of the people that have come into the city don't appreciate that. I think they aren't. They're not. Not everyone's as as uh, as friendly as Freddie over here. So no, my thing is, uh, and I'm, like, I'm saying I, this I mean, from a look, devil's advocate yeah. standpoint. Um, there are a lot of people that speak about gentrification in a bad way. Like, oh, see, Trader Joe's came in. You yeah. see the gentrification happening. I'm saying, who wouldn't want Trader Joe's two blocks from their house? Well, yeah, I mean, we hear this, right? We go to the neighborhood and they say, what do you want? A grocery store. What do you want? We want a restaurant to eat at. And then you bring the restaurant and it's called gentrification. Yeah. The same people who wanted it. But I, I think the, the key to unlocking house to be successful with gentrification, and D.C. has a lot of tools for this, more than most jurisdictions, is how do you get the existing community to participate in that? And I think, and I think, in a lot of cases, Anacostia has unfortunately more recently been a dumping ground for affordable housing as a way to say we're not gentrifying, we're building affordable housing. But they're building affordable housing for probably people that don't live in the neighborhood, right? They're building affordable housing for people that are getting displaced from other neighborhoods, as opposed to people that are actually in that neighborhood. So really, the question is how do we? How do we make sure that people that live in the neighborhood participate in the change and aren't and aren't damaged by it? And I think, you know, obviously homeowners benefit from it from a financial standpoint, but renters don't always benefit from it. And that's why Topa is was there. Um, you can't buy anyone's house, though, now. 
it's like if you're under five units, you're exempt from you're you're, you're excluded from Topa now, right? Uh, I thought it was just single units, single units with an accessory, so two units and less. Oh well, there was there's something yeah, they, they, Dopa they, now or whatever. Well, it's called. Dopa is district opportunity to purchase access. Yeah, but they, the they said they said if you have more than five units now, you can get the district's allowed to buy the property. Yeah, they're allowed to basically have a right of first refusal. It's ridiculous. That's beyond ridiculous. That's called communism. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Literally, like, it's literally <laughs> like how how Europe and China have started selling off government own businesses they're doing the mayor has taken the opposite stance and it's and there's there's reasons why she's doing it we don't need to get into this but, but no no, no but hold up, hold up. And, but, but, but not even that it's not like the district purchases it and they just do whatever and do something with a specific thought in mind they say no no, no we're exercising our right to do dopa then we're going to issue rfp to other developers selected developers um yes you, i'm sorry you have to get pre-approved first yes. to get on the list mm-hmm. then it's like so hey it is what it is yeah, I think I think that's the issue is that the affordable housing game has become very it's become a game and it's not really trying to actually it doesn't it doesn't care about the people that it's affecting. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's something that I think needs to be tuned into a little bit more by. All right. Um, all right. Seven questions. Are you ready? I am getting ready. OK. Mentally. Well, all right. Cool. Are you ready now? I am ready. Okay. Uh, number one, book to add to the library. So I knew, I had a feeling you were going to come hard with the real estate questions. So I wanted to think outside of the real estate realm. Let's go. And I'm going to say it is called, uh, hold on one second here. It's called Lesser Beast by Mark Isik. It's a t- no, tale the snout story. I forget the subtitle. Tale the snout story of how pigs the world but anyway it's a it's a book about pigs and and uh and their influence on human culture since five thousand years ago and i think wow it really gives you and up to the modern times like a real it gave me a big appreciation for bacon for for pork and and pork products and and i think it's really interesting that that um uh like religious stuff aside that goes with pork and i think you know it's from what i understand like pigs are basically the human compost the the animal compost bin and they can turn trash and waste into uh, a food source and and without pigs we would have never colonized america and without pigs we would have never done a lot of the things we've been able to do as a society because they are such a sustainable food source in the sense they used of- to drop pigs off in like islands and the Bahamas and come and, back and, and there be bananas. Be, come back and to eat the pigs and that had bread and everything. Wow! And they had laws around like if you went, you had to leave two pigs or whatever. So, um, so no bacon back then. Yeah, I think I think that uh, it's really interesting. Um, so okay, number two podcast to subscribe to. Um, I really like a podcast called Retail. Um, this would be super niche, but it's called Retail. Retail gets real, and it's just about trends in retail. Uh, I really like retail them. real estate, yeah. or just retail. Just retail, general. actually. No, not retail real estate. It's about retailers. So, oh, okay. But I, I really love retail real estate, and I think where it's going is probably a, I could go on for hours about that. Um, where it's going to industrial? Is that where it's going? I, you know, I don't want to give away my trade, my proprietary <laughs> information. They talk about Sears on there. If you have, if you have investors listening, I'll give them. A, okay, cool. Retail gets real. Who puts that together? It's. I think it's like one of the national retail federations. Um, 
I don't know. You can find it on Stitcher. Is it, it okay? The the the, the National the, Retail Foundation. Okay, the feel of it is it is it very heady or is it? It's a little nerdy. Like they'll okay. they'll. I mean, it can be high level. I mean, it can be high level. It can be low level. Like they have um, rent the runway on, and they'll talk about how their product line differs from from other people and they'll but they'll have a ceo from macy's on just pitching what macy's doing so it really depends i think who the guest is and, and what they get into all right number three something you didn't know you needed till you got it algebra are you seriously i mean i think i think i remember being an, and i was always good at math growing up but i think uh, uh in hindsight i'm really glad that i was good at math okay practice math so math instead of algebra math is all yeah well just... i think algebra like i use algebra every single day like every, every day. single yeah. thing in my life especially in real estate yeah it's just a giant algebra equation yeah, especially real... when you start getting into like affordable housing or community development it's it's not as much about development as it's just like solving algebra problems sometimes when you're, mm. when you're trying to make the numbers work and uh you know you're just holding different levers like big algebra problems um to go back to what we were talking about with valuation, one of the, the, the benefits, I think, is the ability to, at a super back-of-the-envelope high level, like, if you go to a site, you could, like, value it right then. Like, if I took you to a site right now. Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that you're, you're, saying, you're saying being an appraiser unless you do that. I, I'm saying that during my time as an appraiser, mm-hmm. you know, every single property you got to inspect. And as I progressed through my career, by the time I was done, when I would go to the site, a lot of times I, I may not because have you were doing the same before. product type. No, no, no. I was doing different stuff. I mean, okay, well, this, it fell into like eighty percent of my stuff fell into like one of three buckets, yeah. And then the balance was ever. But I'm saying, even right now, going somewhere, if you threw me in the middle of Oakland, and we're like, hey, this is an industrial building in Oakland. Mm-hmm. I, I I guarantee you that I could probably be within fifteen percent of what the true value is. I would love to take your bet on that because I think the rents is going to be your biggest challenge. But yeah, probably you could get there within thirty minutes though. Yeah, if I knew the rents. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you gave me if you gave me the rents. The rents is the challenge, right? And I think that's a big risk with a lot of people when they move. I mean, we saw that when we moved to Worcester mm-hmm. when we expanded the business to Worcester was it was just a big adjustment from DC. Even going to PG County, I mean, you cross. You were on Rhode Island Avenue, and you get past Woodridge, and you hit Brentwood or Mount Rainier, and the rents just fall. So, so any of you tenants who can't find space in 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 DC, and you think it's cool to be in DC, like just just head five hundred feet over the line. Yeah, your, your traffic counts also your, fall as well. Well, no, they don't, and your rents fall in half. And I think you still got thirty six thousand traffic counts on Rhode Island Avenue in Hyattsville. So. Yeah, with the income you're getting, that's probably where you, where you get hit. Yeah, the income's less, but like, who's really going to Woodridge? You know, unless you're going to Zeke's or to oh Yacatory. oh oh oh, I'm sorry. So you're saying I'm Rhode talking, Island? I'm talking. I'm talking like Logan, Logan Circle, Rhode Island. I'm talking out Rhode Island. Okay. I'm saying yeah, you're paying yeah, thirty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well net. just go to Hyattsville. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right about that. You're okay. actually probably better because you're truth be told. Yeah. All right. You're uh, in college bar. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number four, bucket list place to travel. There's a place in the world that you have been that you would recommend listeners. Um, so I'm going to say a very specific place in Greece called Cape, Cape Sunio. Okay. Um, go there for the sunset. It's a Cape, how do you spell that? I have no idea. S I don't know. S, Sunio. S, Cape Sunio. Okay. Um, it's a 
old Poseidon temple um, right on the Cape there and outside of about an hour outside of Athens and they have some of the I, I've seen the sunset in Santorini that everyone raves about so Cape Sunio is better um, so it is where Theseus or some dude like that killed the Meditor and his mom or dad or something threw himself off the cliff because he forgot to change the sails on his boat and died and that's like the real old old school and then they built the Poseidon's temple and then uh, um, I think there was a temple to Athena there at one point but the Poseidon temple is still there and you kind of you see the sunset in the background it's, it's really pretty it's, it's really how did you go to Greece I've been three times now I think I've been going like every two three years and plan okay. to keep going every two three years still got fam out there yeah some second cousins third cousins but I really want to go to northern Greece I think that's where I'll try to go next time okay Actually, it's not where I'll try to go next time. But um, I'm going to do a half Iron Man. I'm putting it on record, so now I have to do it. Okay. Number five, 50-mile detour restaurant. That this I is, want to go to or that I've been to? Uh, this is a restaurant you recommend to the listeners that if you're traveling from point A to point B uh-huh. and you happen to be 50 miles within this restaurant, uh-huh. it makes sense to detour off your intended path of travel just to eat at this restaurant. So many. I know. I'll give you a hint. It falls in like one of three. It's either your favorite restaurant that you grew up eating at, a restaurant that you. So I'll I'll go there. All right. Okay. Greek deli in DC. That's probably. Oh wow, 19th Street. Yeah, there's probably like 15 other restaurants I could name, like Comedy Grill in Charleston, or I would even say Rappahannock, like up the street. Get that lambs and clams. It's great for hangover. Okay. But but Greek deli is. Wow, I'm I'm so glad you yeah. said that because I would probably eat here at least once a month when I was at a. Oh, I used to eat there like th- three times a week, and it's that and good. It's salt coma. It's but. it's crazy that it's that good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What do you get when you go there? Uh, I think I think if you're going for the first time, you get the uh, lamb sublaki. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the the they have like a white meatball that's really good. Okay. We're probably passing the avalimino. In the Hispanic obvious. Avalimino. How do you pronounce Avalimino. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just that's a popular dish there, right? It. I mean, that's the famous Greek soup, but I think for me, it's just not really what I grew up having, so it's a little different. The Spanakopita, same thing. But. Okay. This, by the way, is uh, a small, small, small inline retail. So, I mean, it's very narrow, um, but the line is out the door by twelve thirty every day downtown DC. Uh, nearest cross streets are Nineteenth and L. It's on Nineteenth Street, right? Yeah. Just north of the Staples, which is probably going to change names to a TJ Maxx at some point. Who knows? Um, and it's probably the only, because Rumors is gone now, right? Yeah. It's, it's probably the only retail spot that's still there on that the west Nushi. side of 19. Nushi. Okay, Nushi. Nushi is relatively new, though. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're, we're going to power through these. Uh, <laughs> number one skill. This is your number one honed craft. My honed craft? Oh, we're not yeah. starting with that uh, is, is this XL? Huh? Is it XL? Uh, I think stealing other people's ideas. Wow. I am told by a lot of people that I'm extremely creative, especially when it comes to real estate. And the reality is I just go look at other people's things, listen to what other people do, and then wow. steal it and try to make it better. Oh, so that's why you always are asking for my input on I'm, uh, Yeah, <laughs> I actually have stolen that and running with it Fast. Oh, for Deanwood? Yes. Uh, no doubt. So hey, just just make sure I I, I don't have And to when pay. someone asked whose idea it was, I said mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give me my propers, man. 
Sky Yo, Sky Fred. You can come to the groundbreaking. Yeah, just come to the. I want. I want. I want. I want. Come to the neighborhood meeting and give us a letter of. I want five year free gym membership. That's what I want. Um, I think we're going a little bit different than that, but yeah. Okay. Oh, but so you presented already? Like, we talked yesterday about this. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to line up the partners. Okay, no doubt. All right. Uh, number seven, number one talent. Don't believe in it. Don't believe in talent. I don't think talent is a real thing. Wait, so you don't think that you were naturally born genetically with something? Nope. I think people are born genetically physical attributes to some extent, but I don't believe that. Okay, like, so it couldn't be your muscle to be able to throw a, a, a football no, a certain no, way? I don't think it's. I don't. I don't believe in talent. I think that it's something. I think it's something that we think as a society to like when we're we see someone good, we like to say that they're talented at something. But Kobe Bryant didn't become the greatest basketball player of all time or Michael Jordan or but LeBron there's no because way they're that... talented. They did it because they work their asses off. Well, and, and because think, he was six eight too. Well, but I'm saying but that helps, and because in the but sense of talent. basketball, that's talent. I don't height is a talent. That's not the sense that we normally think of talent. So we think of talent. He can jump high. But what did he just do a lot of jumping since he was like two years old and now he can jump high? No, I'm saying that no two brains come out of a vagina the same. (laughs) Okay. And so that brain is naturally wired a certain way. Now, there are things that you can do that can help certain wirings. So how do we we, um, break that up, I guess? How do we say? When nurture started? Yeah, when nurture started. I mean, I'm good at math because I remember when I was in second grade. Sorry, second grade. I was three. Like all I wanted to do was math, and I couldn't freaking read till I was like seven. Yeah, but where was the stimulus for that? Perhaps there was no stimulus, and that's where the nature was. But I'm saying, I'm saying, it's because I actually just kept practicing that skill, and I think that is like I think, and I think it's an. Uh, you actually had someone else on your podcast who talked about this accumulation. Like you don't see it. You put an extra three. If I put an extra three hours on the bike, I'm not going to all of a sudden be world champion iron man right i'm not gonna but it's that accumulation from when you're three to when you're 35 of extra work that makes you kobe bryant yeah but i'm saying and kobe bryant like everyone knows he was last first in last out like there are people that are not six feet and yeah. there are people that are six feet yeah but that's a height that's not a talent it's a physical thing and i'm saying that you, you can't say that it's my greatest physical attribute my no, voice no 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 you're funny <laughs> you know what that's what we'll put voice okay no but you can't say that these natural gifts that you were given stop at something that doesn't learn now he does have a point in the sense of where does that line stop? Because hopefully if you recognize your talent at a single digit age, you start working on it and then you actually extenuate that. But if in the process of learning, you realize that in, from your peers, you catch on to things faster than they do, perhaps that's where your talent is. So it's kind of like the derivative. Um, I heard you say something about people catching on to, catching on to things faster than others. Yes. And I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think... I mean, I think that comes with, I mean, if you're, there's people who have studied high performing athletes and a lot of them have obsessive compulsive tendencies. And I think, I think there's an exam. So is obsessive compulsiveness uh, a talent? I I'm mean, saying it's, it's hereditary. Well, yeah. They, they couldn't, they didn't work on their obsessive compulsiveness. So it, it, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but. Stuff of compulsiveness from people that I know that are like that are so that could be a talent. They're usually highly anxious individuals, and that is, I believe, hereditary. 
So that could be a talent. Being it's just sometimes <laughs> that talent is not direct. I mean, no, you could be a really good liar, right? Yeah. And that talent is directed towards you know being a con artist. That's yeah, but bad. I think you, get, you could become be, a good liar because you practiced it. And I think I think that's what I'm trying to say is that like you, I really just don't believe that like you someone walks out of the womb and all of a sudden they're Barry Bonds. Like Barry. Oh Bonds. no 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 no. Especially or, now, or they're saying, a rocket scientist or. Of course not. But within being a rocket scientist or within being a baseball player, there's certain things that just, I mean, people who can dance, people who can't dance. There's some people that no matter how hard they try from age zero to try to dance, uh, if you started another person at age zero and they started dancing together, one person is going to be better than another person. Well, there's really only one way for us to find out. Kidnapped 500 babies and test this. But. See, that's where his mind goes. <laughs> uh I think there's a book called Outliers, and I, I think I think it's the book. That's a Gladwell. I think it's very convenient for us to see someone who's better than us at things and say he's more talented. And the reality is, we just didn't work hard enough. That and I, I think, and I think that's true. And I, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, if I'd come out and pra- deliberately practiced appropriately, golf, for example, from the time I was four, five, six, like I could be on the PGA tour. Deliberate, but you you have to put in the hours. We're not talking putting in an hour a week or two hours a week, which is what a lot of people think is practice. Like no. when you talk about like the top triathletes in the world, it's their life. They're 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 doing intense intense forty hour week workouts. Yeah, thirty five hour week. I mean, yeah, you can qualify for Kona, and people do Kona get get, get qualified for Kona for like 12, 15, 20 hours. A I have week. no idea what Kona is. It's the top triathletes in the world for for long distance triathlon. Ironman. Have you done a triathlon? Yes. Really? Yeah. Done an Ironman? No. I'm trying to do a half Ironman right now. But 20, you gotta go full. 2019 goal is a half. Okay. So that's a, that's a 1.2 so mile swim. 1.2? Oh. So it's only 2.4. I thought it was full three miles for swimming. No, 2.4. I guess based on kilometers or something so like that? So a sprint is a 600 meter swim. Uh, Olympic is a mile uh, swim. And then a. Um, listen to that Gonzaga right there. A half is a 1.2 and then a full is a 2.4 okay and, and then, then you do 150 miles for biking 54 on a half and you do 13.2 yeah 13.1 oh th- right 13.1 that is the aperitif the cream of some what is this we're drinking amaro amaro is this from greece this is from this is from dc amaro is uh typically an italian bitter liqueur typically drank as a digestive bitter. yeah there's aperitif. Some people say they're not a, a Maros. That'd be like a Campari, Aperol. Those are well-known ones, but this is Don Siegley and Feely or something. Made Where? in I- Ivy City, Kansas. Well, it's actually now in Kansas Road, but they're moving to Ivy City. And uh, I have a large collection of uh, American-made Amaros. So. In other words, he's an alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> All right, social media, email, phone number, any ways if the listeners want to reach out to you and say, yo, yo, I got this man uh hit up my dog's instagram at boons biscuit b-o-o-n-e-s-b-i-s b-o-o-n-e-s-b-i-s-q-u-c-u-i-t or my linkedin it's alex hondros alex hondros on linkedin but you should definitely follow my dog he's cute who does the posting you or your girl mostly me okay he's been a little lazy recently whack Thank you so much, Alex, for coming through. Uh, this is long overdue. Yeah, it's all seven. Uh, okay. Uh, it's been long overdue. 
And I'd love to get you on a part two because I haven't nerded out like this on some real estate in a very <laughs> long time. Let's get me and Joe on here at the same time. <laughs> right? No, but the funny thing is, is this is how we used to nerd out literally at Cushman. Yeah, no, I think uh, I was at a firm between Horizon and Minkiti, and I think uh, one of the things that was not fulfilling about that was there just wasn't smart real estate. I mean, there were smart real estate people. They just they didn't love real estate. Like, yeah. they didn't love... Uh, and I, you know, I think that's a nice thing. It's an industry where people, I know have people, I have colleagues that are in it and they just don't really like it. I'm like, why don't you go do something else, dude? Right. For real. <laughs> you just here for a paycheck? I like, know. Cause we're here. Yeah. And the money's slow here too. Right. Like you, you got to put in time. <laughs> wait, I'm waiting 15 years <laughs> to get paid on some of this stuff. Right. So, so cool. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Innkeeper's guest book. I'm Innkeeper Freddie. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks.